hello everyone. Today I want to talk about hoovering. What happens after you break up with a toxic person? What is hoovering? How does it work? Why does it work? And what's going on with my personal hoovering experiences? Welcome to Through the Fire, a podcast about how to live life while experiencing emotional abuse. Each week, I'll share my experiences with you, and we'll break down the lessons I've learned and help you apply them to your own life so that we can all start living with joy and purpose while learning how to keep ourselves safe and sane. So first of all, let's jump into what is hoovering. Hoovering is a term that they've coined. Yes, it's named after the vacuum, the hoover. And this is where your narcissist tries to suck you back in. They try to hook you in into their drama. They try to get you back involved. They want you back as a source of their narcissistic supply. Or if you're not familiar with narcissism, they just want you back in the drama. They are bored or whatever, and they want you back. They want whatever you gave them. They want you to take care of them. They want you to coddle them. They want you to cater to their feelings. Whatever it is that you gave them that they liked about you, they want it back. So in a way, you can kind of look at hoovering as a flattering experience. It's a compliment. It means that they that you had something of value to offer them, and now they're missing it. But don't get it twisted, okay? Just because you had something to offer them that they missed, it doesn't mean they miss you as a person. It doesn't mean that you guys belong together and they finally see the light. No. They want you back so that they can keep mistreating you. You're like a punching bag, and now their punching bag is gone, and they don't know what to do. They can't find another one or whatever. So, for me and my experience, we split up almost four months ago. Four months, you guys, and in those four months, I had one short phone conversation, maybe two or three weeks after we split up. I responded to one text message with one sentence. I responded to an email with one sentence, and that is the extent of the contact I've had with my ex since I left. And if you saw the number of emails and text messages and phone calls I'm receiving, you would think that we're just still in contact because he calls and texts. Well, he hasn't called in a long time, but he texts every single week still. There's not been a week that's gone by where I have not received a text message or an email or a phone call or something. He's constantly trying to hook me back in. Recently, things slowed down a bit. I thought maybe we're in the clear. You know, it was like a week. It might have been a week, actually, now that I'm thinking of it. It might have been a week where I didn't hear anything from him. And then he started in with the big hoovers. Small hoovers or small attempts to get you to respond to them are like, I miss you. Oh, can I talk to you about something? Oh, we need to discuss, you know, X, Y, Z, whether it's bills or, you know, something you left at their house. And the bigger hoovers, the ones that are designed to play off your emotions are like, oh, I got injured or a family member died or some big life change. Oh, you know, I have to file bankruptcy or whatever it is. Some big thing where they think that you're going to feel so emotional about it that you're going to have to respond. So in my particular situation, 
it's been four months, the holidays are coming up, and he decided to pull out the big guns, he sent me a bunch of money. And in his mind, he was like, oh, well, if I give her all this money, she's, of course, going to have to respond. So he sent it with a message that was like, oh, you know, if you don't want to talk to me, I understand, but I just want you to have this. But please, if you can, just let me know that you and the dog are safe and warm and and." I don't know where you are, so I just want to make sure that you guys are okay because I worry about you, all this stuff, right? Plus, with a big chunk of money coming with it, I'm obligated, you know, to respond, or at least that's what he thought. And I did kind of feel obligated. Um, I felt like it's been long enough to where I can maintain my strength with one simple response and then back to no contact. So I responded with one simple text message that said, we are okay. Thank you for the money. That's it. And of course, immediately after that, I get a text saying, I just need to talk to you. Just give me 10 minutes. Let me talk to you. And I knew it. I knew that was coming. So I haven't responded to that. We've not talked on the phone. I'm not going to let him talk to me on the phone because every time we do get on the phone, it's just begging and pleading and trying to push my buttons and play off my emotions and try to get me to come back. And one thing that might be easy to overlook or misinterpret about the situation is when he said that he, you know, he worries about me and wants to make sure that I'm okay. One of the things that happened in our relationship was that he constantly tried to convince me that I can't take care of myself. He tried to convince me that I needed him to survive, to get by, that I wasn't capable of being self-sufficient. So with a text message like that saying, oh, I just... I don't know where you are, or if you're okay, or if you're warm, is basically implying that I'm incapable of taking care of myself. And if I wasn't warm over the holidays, what would that mean? That would mean I'm like homeless or something? Like, I'm going to leave you to go live under a bridge? Like, I am an adult. I am capable of taking care of myself. I was capable of taking my, care of myself before he came along, and I am capable now that he is gone. I am responsible. I am talented. I am smart. And I'm resourceful. And those are all things that he never gave me credit for and tried to convince me that I wasn't. And so getting the text message like that actually made me quite angry. I was upset. I was annoyed. I was offended that he would imply that I still can't take care of myself. So after that text message, he said, oh, I just need to talk to you for 10 minutes, please, blah, 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 blah. Then, so he realized that giving me a big chunk of money didn't work as his hoover. So then he responded with, Oh, my daughter got COVID. You know, she she has a newborn baby. The baby got it. But, you know, they're doing better now. But I just want you to know that this virus is no joke and just be really careful and blah, 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 on and on. So when the money didn't work, the bribery didn't work, he moved on to playing off my emotions, telling me that his daughter was very sick, that this was no joke, that I needed to take care of myself and be careful. Which, of course, it is. This virus is very serious. But his main goal there was to make me feel sympathy for him. To make me feel like he needed somebody to talk to to get through this. That he deserved my time. And the truth of the matter is, he did not deserve my time. He took up so much of my time with BS and with pain and with suffering and with abuse he doesn't deserve any more of my time. Not one minute. I made that decision. I left him. I was very clear when I left him. 
I'm not coming back. We had a conversation, like I said, a short phone conversation after I left. I told him he can throw away the rest of my stuff that I left there. I don't want any of it. I'm gone. I'm done. And he still thinks that if he says the right thing or does the right thing, that he will succeed in bringing me back. And it's so disrespectful. It's completely disrespectful of my decision, of my desires, of my needs. And it's right in line with all the other abuse that happened in the relationship. He never respected my needs. He never respected my wants. He never respected my desires. And when you start getting hoovered back in, even if it's somebody who you didn't want to break up with, maybe they discarded you, maybe they said that they were done with you or whatever and you were really hurt and you wanted to get back together. Now the person might be coming back around and you're thinking, oh, yay, finally, this is what I've always wanted. You know, they finally saw the light. They see how amazing I am and they want me back in their life. The truth of the matter is no. They, you served a purpose for them and that purpose was fulfilled and then they got what they needed and they discarded you like a piece of garbage. So even if it is something that you've wanted for a very long time for this person to come back around and beg you to come back, you have to see this behavior for what it is. It is selfish and it is self-serving. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with what a kind and generous, amazing person you probably are. And it has everything to do with them getting their selfish needs fulfilled. They need their ego boosted. They need something. And they know that you are an easy target. They know you in and out. They've studied all of your buttons and all of your patterns. They know exactly what to say and how to say it to get you to be emotional, to get you back. So what you have to do is realize that their behavior is not true. It's all lies. And don't fall for it. You just stay super strong, super, super strong, even if they're saying the one thing that you always wished and hoped that they said, and they never did before. Now they're saying it. It's not real. And I know that that is a hard pill to swallow, and that hurts to hear because some of us go our entire lives waiting to hear this one thing from this one special person. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe you've lived your whole life wanting your parents to be proud of you. And you finally, you know, you finally hear that one thing that you've been dying to hear. And it feels so good. But you know deep down in, in the back of your mind that it's not real. That they're saying it because they're going to get something out of it. Not because it's something nice for you, not because it's selfless, not because it's the truth, but because they think that if they say this one thing, if they do this one thing, that you're going to be back on the hook and they can start squeezing you for all that juicy narcissistic supply again. And you guys, these hoovering techniques, they are kind of like, I'm sure you've heard of the five stages of grief that people go through when they're sick like fear, denial, anger, um, acceptance, whatever. I don't know all the stages, but that, that concept. Hoovering is kind of the same way. There's like stages and there's certain patterns that they'll follow. And some of the examples of techniques that they'll use is they'll get angry. You know, my guy did this like, oh, I'm not giving you anything ever again. 
we're done. I'm not talking to you. I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to make sure that your life is, you know, a living hell. All this like angry stuff. They make, they try to make you fearful of what they're going to do. Another technique is, you know, to beg. Of course, the classic begging. Please come back to me. I can't live without you. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. I don't know how I'm going to get by without you. All this flattery. You feel like, oh, I'm, you know, I was so special in their life. They need me. It makes you feel important. So you go back. Another technique they have is the sympathy card. Oh, this horrible thing happened to me. You should feel bad for me. Or like, oh, my mom died. Or um, whatever the case may be. There's some kind of tragedy in their life, which may or may not be true. Sometimes it is true. Sometimes their mom really did die. Or sometimes, like, maybe in my case, I don't even know, maybe his daughter really is sick. You don't know. But the point is, is that they will use every opportunity to take a situation in their life and use it against you. They're opportunists. So when something bad happens to them, a tragedy, they think to themselves, oh, you know what? This is going to get me sympathy. Let's try this one. Sometimes it's lies. Sometimes nothing bad happened. Sometimes it's the truth. Maybe something bad did happen to them. But they can get through it without you. They don't need you in their life to hold their hand through this tragedy. They can do it. But they choose to try and drag you back into their life by way of sympathy because of this horrible thing that happened. Another technique that they use is being super nice. Just And it seems so genuine. It seems like so nice. Like my guy, oh, here's a bunch of money just for the holidays. I just want to, you know, do something nice for you because you deserve it. And they think that because they're finally showing like some human compassion or generosity that you're going to think, oh, they've changed. Oh, they're getting better. Oh, they're making progress. Um, you know, and then you'll come back. In a similar vein as this, there's the changing. Oh, I'm changing. But the thing is, healing from narcissism, from any kind of personality disorder, is a long process. It takes years of therapy and work. It doesn't happen overnight. So you should be very careful and very, very wary of anybody who says, I've changed. Because it's not something that you can just do in an instant. And the truth of the matter is, when you have these severe personality disorders like this, the chances of changing are very slim. Chances are, they're not going to change. They might act a little bit different for a period of time. But in the long run, they will almost always go back to their same behaviors because unfortunately, these behaviors work, right? If you give in and do what they want after they throw a fit, they know, oh, all I have to do is throw a fit and then I'm going to get what I want. And you can think to yourself, like, what person in their right mind would go through this amount of stress and anxiety and conflict just to get their way? Because for a normal same person, the conflict and the stress and the anxiety of constantly fighting with somebody is too much to handle. It's not worth it, right? It's not worth it for me. That's why I left. But for them, it is worth it. They know that if they can just scare you enough or get loud enough or get violent enough, then you're going to do what they want you to do. And so they give themselves permission to act that way because it works. They're are some places that have laws against coercive control and abuse. 
But the truth of the matter is, is that perpetrators of this type of behavior get away with it a lot more than we would like to admit. There's jokes and memes and society actually encourages it to some degree. And it's a really unfortunate truth, but it is the truth. So just be aware of that, that no amount of promising to change or claiming that they have already changed is enough for you to go back into an abusive or unhealthy situation. If they want to show you that they've changed or that they are changing, you have to set a time limit on that, right? Like put it at like a year. Let me see how much progress you make over the next year and then I'll consider coming back. And in that time, you have to be in close contact with the people that they are recovering with, right? They're therapists, they're uh, group managers or whatever, it, whatever type of healing that they are trying to do. And a lot of people say like, oh, well, therapy is, um, you know, protected and it's doctor patient confidentiality and all of that. But if your partner is getting treatment with somebody and they are not willing to share with you the progress that they're making and they're not willing to give the doctor permission to keep you up to date, then they're not willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that you are being protected and you get back into a healthy and loving relationship. They're still trying to control. So unfortunately, when you mistreat somebody like that, in order to gain their trust back, you have to give up a lot of your rights. And if that is privacy rights to whatever's going on in your treatment, then that's what it is. And if they're not willing to do it, then they don't deserve to have you back in their life. And you need to protect yourself above all else. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It really, really helps me out. Uh, it helps everybody else out who's searching for information like this. Also, join us on Facebook. It's Through the Fire. It's a group. And we would love to connect with you there, answer your questions, take podcast topic requests, and help you along your journey of healing. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you next time.